What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. If you're in the Knoxville, Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you face-to-face on a Wednesday night at our main Park West campus. Make sure to check us out on social media at OasisPWC to stay up-to-date on everything going on here so that you can get plugged in and join the Oasis family. I hope that you enjoy this week's message. Let's jump in. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I like this. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and tell them, hey, I like this. All right, I'm going to jump into the Word pretty quick tonight because I'm so excited to be in the Word. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. If you're new here, welcome home. If you've been here for months, welcome home. I'm so glad that you're here. Some of you get tired of me saying it, but truly, whether it's your first time here or you've been here for months, you are my favorite person in the room. And this is a place where you can encounter the love of God with people that love God and love each other. We intentionally meet here every Wednesday night, specifically so that when we leave, we have a better revelation of God and five extra friends. That's my goal for you tonight, that when you leave, you have a clearer revelation of God and five extra friends. So if you see people in the room that you don't recognize, it is your task, your job, and your opportunity to gain a couple friends on the way out. And everybody said, amen. 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 Yes, I love it when Gabriel's here. Amen. Boy, don't apologize for shouting me down. It makes me preach better. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Uh, Maybe you've noticed, but this last couple months have been a little weird. Uh, Things have been a little different. Um, This stage of life in general can be super complicated. There's a ton of transition happening. The 18 to like 25, and then again at 25 to 30-ish, there's a ton of transition that happens. So those of you that just graduated high school, you are in the thick of this right now, where you're trying to figure out what you want to do for college. Do you even want to go? What is that going to look like? If you do go, what do you want to major in? Half of y'all are in relationships that are good. Some of you are in relationships that ain't so good, so you got some decisions to make in that process. There's a thousand and five moving pieces, so then why don't we add a national pandemic to the entire thing and make it a little bit more complicated? There's a ton of transition going on in all of our lives, whether you're moving out of your parents' house or you just finished school or you hate your job and you're desperately looking for a new one. A couple of you just shouted me down in your head, but there's a ton of transition going on. And COVID-19 has made that even more complicated. My goal for tonight is to talk for just a couple minutes about the natural transitions of life. Some things that come easy, some that come a lot more difficult, and how the promise of God can actually show up in the midst of that in a way that is great, but sometimes inconvenient. So without further ado, Deuteronomy chapter 31, we're going to be in verse 8 here at the beginning. It says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The title for tonight's message for my note takers in the room is It's All Good. If you're not a note taker, that's totally fine, but I do believe there's an extra scoop of ice cream on your uh, ice cream sundae in heaven if you take notes. So there we go. It's all good. It's all good. Let's pray real quick. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you truly for the honor that it is to be in your presence tonight. I ask that you will open our hearts and mind, including my own, that we'd be able to hear from you, to hear exactly what you want to say to the church today. God, we love you. We make space for you. Jesus, you are Lord of this house and of our lives, and we invite you to have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Come on, one more time. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. So right now in life, I feel like I'm in a stable place and not just like mentally, but that's good too. Praise God. But I feel like I'm in a, I'm, I'm settled in a healthy way. I've made it to this place in life where I finished school. I'm married now. I'm working this full-time job and not planning on going anywhere. Like I've kind of landed in this place, but rewind a couple years. I was 20 years old. I had just finished freshman year at Pellissippi State Community College. Some of you understand that pain already. Some of you are going to get to be blessed by the campus soon enough. But I finished my first year there basically as a psych major because they didn't offer anything ministry related. Now, I, I knew from a pretty young age that I wanted to work in ministry, that I wanted to be a pastor. So when I started school and there wasn't an option to just go off to school, you know, my parents had gone through a bankruptcy and your boy wasn't making no 32 on the ACT. This was before the Tennessee promise showed up. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to work. I'll make it happen. I'll pay it off as we go. Cause I ain't trying to do that whole debt thing. And there we were. I finished the first year at Pellissippi well, then I found out that I could transfer to Lee University online. Their pastoral ministry major, if you did online school, was actually substantially less than the rest of their online school, which was already pretty decently priced. So I managed to transfer. So starting sophomore year, right? I'm doing full-time online school. How many of you are in classes like you're, you're in college? Maybe you're off for the summer, whatever. When you're How many of you had to deal with Zoom classes this last semester? Let me reassure you, that is not how online college works. And everybody did their best to make a really just bad situation work. But online school for me was a lot different. A ton of reading and a ton of writing, which was great because your boy can't take tests. So this, the reading and writing aspect worked fine for me. Well, I was working part-time here at the church. And I was working in an environment where I was able to lead on Sunday mornings for our middle school service and then on Wednesday nights for our high school service. And I was, it was great. I'm getting to lead worship and go to school for ministry. And we're finally settling into that fall semester. And a, a friend of ours that works at the church, he owned an electrician company at the time. And he came to me and he said, hey, I actually have a full-time job for you if you want it. So I was like, God? <laughs> This is awesome. Like everything's falling into place. I'm all for it. I can do all the things. So let's do all the things. Well, that lasted about six weeks because every day I would work from 730 to 430, a pretty physical job with an electrician company. Then a couple days out of the week, I would go to the church and I'd work for a few hours in lead worship. And then I'd stay up till Lord knows what time drinking as much coffee as I could get my hands on so that I could finish school. And after doing this for six or seven weeks, I remember being at a weekend conference and I'm in the altar and I'm having one of these dear God moments. How did I end up here? What in the world is going on? And why don't literally this is what I was upset with God about. Not that I was doing too much, but I was upset that he wasn't giving me opportunities to do more ministry. And the Holy Spirit, just as lovingly as he could, but with a little bit of maybe some sass, he said, Caleb, you wouldn't take the opportunities if I gave them to you because you don't even sleep right now. I was like, oh, gosh. Okay, fair. So in that service, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me I needed to quit the electrician job. So now I'm like, okay, God, we, all right, I'm going to make a sacrifice for you, and ministry is going to happen, and this is going to be good, and we're going to end up there. Now it's important to note that I was living at home, and now because I was working a full-time and a part-time job, I was making $750 a week at 20 years old. 
No, that's ridiculous. I was literally living at home. So I, at the time I was like, God, your blessings are abundant. And like, I'm living in this new world. My car that I had at the time was a mess. I had a Volkswagen Jetta that literally would turn itself off and back on while I was driving. So one of the first things I did when I was working in this new layout was I went and bought a Kia Soul. And if you've ever seen the commercials with the hamsters driving it, that's how it felt. The stereo system was incredible. It was a super fun little car. Well, of course that came along with almost a $300 car payment. But it didn't matter. I was living at home. I was making way more money than I knew what to do with. So I was like, great, I can pay for this for school. I can pay for the books. I can pay for the car. Well, then God told me to quit the electrician job. So I'm immediately crunching numbers in my head, and I'm like, okay, we're all right. We're okay. We're good. I still have the job at the church, and this is still happening, and we're fine, and I don't have a lot of bills, and I don't have any debt, and God's good. We're good. God's good. You know what, Lord? I will, I will sacrifice this electrician job for you is what's going through my head. The next morning, I show up at work 45 minutes early, and I tell my boss, who, thank goodness, was a good Christian man. I said, I know this sounds ridiculous, but God wants me to quit working for you. <laughs> the Lord's called me to ministry, and I just, I've got to give this up. i got to move forward. And he's such a sweet guy. He said, you know what? You're definitely called to ministry. I knew that about you. I'm not surprised. You're good. You don't even have to work today. Bring your T-shirts back tomorrow. See you later. We were done. Fast forward five days after that. My wonderful senior pastor, who at the time was the associate pastor, he called me and said, hey, Caleb, I need you to, I need you to come to the church. And I'm like, okay, God, I made space. Is something about to happen? I walk in Pastor Jeremy's office, and he says, I am so sorry. And immediately I'm like, no, 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 no. He said, I'm so sorry. But we've had some things transition and, and some things change and we're moving some staff around and, and some things are happening. And we want you here. We believe God has called you here. But for the time being, we need you to go back to volunteer. So in five days, your boy went from making $750 a week to being unemployed. So around this time, that prayer of God, what are you doing? Got a little bit more serious. Trying to process because, again, I bought the new car. I've stepped into a new school layout. And it was like my step of obedience very quickly became incredibly inconvenient. What do you do when that step toward God in the practical feels like a thousand steps backwards? What, what do you do and, and how do you cling to what God has said in a moment that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense? This passage of scripture that we're looking at tonight, Deuteronomy chapter 31, the context is Moses has led these people out of slavery. God has, has spoken to Moses. He tells him, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And there's this massive scene that takes place. And finally, they get free of slavery there in Egypt, only to wander around in the desert for years and years and years. Well, where we find ourselves here is at the end of the story, and this promise that God has given to the Israelites is to lead them across this land into the promised land that he has promised for years and years and years back. We talked a little bit about the promises of God for the Israelites last week, but now they're here, right? They're about to enter over, but something big is happening. Their leader, Moses himself, is dying. And it's so severe that God has actually told Moses directly because of things that went down that he was not going to go into the promised land, that he was going to die there and things needed to change before they moved forward. So I want to let's go back just a little bit to verse seven. 
It says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Well, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Here's why this is so beautiful. Joshua has been around for a lot of this. Joshua and Moses actually have a pretty decent amount of history. There was a time when Moses sent Joshua and Caleb and a handful of other spies to go into this promised land to make sense of what it was going to look like to get over there. And when the whole group comes back, Caleb and Joshua are the only ones that had faith that God could actually do it. So Joshua has this relationship with Moses, and I almost like to picture it like Moses is this mentor figure of Joshua's. He's seen him be the guy, the pastor of the Israelites, the leader of this group, the one that God spoke directly to, right? So Moses is Joshua's leader, his mentor, his friend, maybe even his father figure, and he's dying. I don't know if there is possibly a more inconvenient time for Joshua to be made the number one guy than when his number one guy is dying. And Joshua is met face to face with this realization that the promise of what I've prayed for, the opportunity to lead, the opportunity to step into this is coming at one of the hardest moments of his life. The theme of the last couple weeks since we restarted for Oasis has been the promises of God. And I believe that God is, is literally like God is stirring this thing right now. He's stirring the waters of promises and callings over our group. So tonight, as we move forward, I want to give you three things about the promise of God in your life. And I, I believe these three things, I want you to know when I, when I use the word promise tonight, I'm kind of using it in a changeably with the word calling. I believe that God has a, a calling, a promise for your life specifically, for everybody in the room. He created you on purpose, for a purpose. There is a plan directly for your life. And I believe that it's something that he has spoken over you. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you to bless, prosper, hope, and a future. He has declared this already over your life. And I want to give you three things that we need to keep in mind moving forward into those promises because they often happen at extremely inconvenient times. The first thing is this won't be easy. If God has a plan for your life, and I'm going to jump through these first couple things kind of quick because I want to get to the third one. But if God has a plan for your life, it is going to involve kingdom growth. That's kind of Christianity 101. Regardless of whether full-time ministry or workforce or whatever, not everybody that's a Christian is supposed to be a pastor, right? Not everybody's called to nine-to-five church work. But if you are a Christian, the Great Commission is the number one goal. You have a relationship with God, and out of that births this desire and this love to see people saved. That should be the most important thing. So whatever God's plan is for your life, if it's to be a doctor, if it's to be a historian, if it's supposed to be whatever area of life you see yourself working in, the main purpose of it is going to be that the light of Jesus is going to go forth. So if God has intentionally created you with a purpose like that, then it's pretty simple to bet that the enemy has a plan directly to derail that right? It doesn't take a whole lot of genius to figure that out. But where they're at right now, where Joshua is at right now, is he has this unbelievable opportunity to step into a position in history where 
years and, and hundreds and hundreds of years, God has prophesied that his people, the Israelites, would get to go here. And even Moses wasn't able to get them there. So now Joshua is given this opportunity, but he has a crazy emotional burden that he has got to figure out and get over because he's literally going through one of the hardest moments he may ever have to deal with in life. If you've ever lost a loved one, if you've ever gone anything on that, gone through anything on that level, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can't imagine the mourning process, the stress process of what he's going through. It's crazy that there are times when the promise of God, the calling for God in your life, it's like you just blink and you're there. Like when you're driving home from work or from school and you can, it's like you're just poof and you're there and you don't remember the, the drive at all. You're just automatically, there's times that the promises of God, the calling of God can look like that. More likely than not though, it's a process. I heard a pastor this week make a statement that the majority of us want a hot pocket blessing when God specializes in crockpot anointing. And that definitely comes into play on our calling, on these, these moments where we just, God, you have called me to something. Lord, I know you want me to be a full-time minister, so I'm going to quit this electrician job. Um, and then all this stuff starts falling apart and not making a whole lot of sense. There is a process to this. So whatever step we take tonight as a group and as individuals, you need to go ahead and come to terms with the fact that just because God spoke it and it will happen in God's timing does not mean that it will be convenient for your timing. This will not always be easy. The second point is that what you see is what you get. What I mean by that is in psychology classes, if you've ever taken one, you've probably heard the term that perception is reality. It comes up all the time in counseling. The general idea is if you, if you are seeing something a certain way, it doesn't matter whether or not that's reality, right? If I have just got it in my head that my brother has something against me, it literally doesn't matter whether or not he actually does. Because to me, I'm spending all my time thinking about it, and it's, it's in my head, it's, it's messing with me, and I'm thinking through all the reasons why he could be mad at me, and that becomes my overarching reality. And the worse you get down in that, the worse it can get when he may be totally fine with me. He may not have anything against me, but because that's my perception, that's my reality. Now, what you see is what you get. In Joshua's situation, he has been called to step into something incredible that God predestined for him to be in, in the midst of losing a loved one. And I know that you've heard the statement, you know, the glass half full or glass half empty. And I'm not really trying to get into like, oh, well, think happy, be happy. You know, I'm not really trying to get into any of that. But we often don't realize the power of our thoughts. And in this moment, Joshua can either come over here and lay around and cry completely justified. Completely justified. And he can take his time to process and to mourn, which is healthy and which is good. But because there's something happening at the same time, he has to choose. Am I focusing on this or am I focusing on the fact that I get to be the guy that leads this group into the promised land? There is something so big happening in this moment, and I'm not saying that it's easy to just always think happy thoughts and to totally be fine. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that when we start walking into the calling on our lives, when you start walking into these things, it doesn't mean it's always going to be super easy, and the way you see it will be your reality. 
you have to make a cognitive choice to focus on what God is doing in your life and to not get all distracted. You have the power and the opportunity to choose what you see and how it looks. The third thing and the most important thing is that your promise is much bigger than you. Your promise is bigger than you. When I was in seventh grade, I got to lead worship for the first time with the middle school worship team. We went downtown to Angelic Ministries, and I played guitar, and it was probably awful. But I had an absolute blast. And pretty much from that moment on, I knew that this is what I wanted to do with my life. I love church. I love people. I love gathering with people. I love that moment when, you, when it's like you can feel something shift in the room because the Holy Spirit just showed up. And when everybody sings together and you see this moment take place and it's like, oh my goodness, this is beautiful. And there's been this thing in my heart since I was young that just called towards that, to be there, to be in that, to be in the presence of God. And because I had mentors like Pastor Tom and Pastor Jeremy and Dustin Lee and so many people that just poured into me, I got an opportunity to see what that would look like and to walk in it. Joshua didn't accidentally end up in this moment. Whether it was Moses directly or the other people around him, he was given opportunities to see this and to desire it. And I don't know if it was in seventh grade for Joshua like it was for me, but at some point he went, oh, what if one day, what if one day I got to be a pastor? What if one day I got to be a leader? What if one day I got to you know, fill in the blank? But it's different now because Joshua's actually here and the moment is actually taking place. And I'll tell you what had to be terrifying about this moment because it's, it's so wild and terrifying. And I can't imagine that he ever thought it would go down like this. He spent all these years praying and processing God, what if, what if, what if? And you know what's different now? Moses calls him in front of all of Israel. Back in verse 7, it says that Moses summoned Joshua and in front of all of Israel, he said, you must lead these people into the promised land and you must put them in the right places. You must split the land up among them. He is now gone from what if one day I get to do that to publicly it's declared you've got to do this. And honestly in the moment it has little to nothing to do with Joshua. It has everything to do with God's promise being fulfilled in Israel. So he's waited all this time. He's had these moments, these exciting moments of finally getting to step into his calling. And now he's here. And it's like you come to this realization that, oh my goodness, the promise that God had for me, the calling that God had for me. Yes, it's this beautiful thing that I get to do with God. I get to be a part of whatever, but God uses it to fulfill the promise on a whole other level for a massive group of people. All of Israel is watching. But there's a promise within the promise in this passage. There's a promise within the promise. In Deuteronomy 31, back in verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. When I was reading over this passage this week and realized this, it just brought such comfort to my heart. He's literally the God of angel armies. Chris Tomlin wrote a song about it. (laughs) 
He can speak to the mountains and they move. And if he wanted to, he could snap his fingers and thousands of angels show up and lead you right through the path, right to where you're supposed to be. But the calling and the promise that he has for your life is so important that the Lord himself is going before you and is going with you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. That's how important this moment is. That's how important the calling is on your life. That there is a promise to be fulfilled in your life, a calling to be fulfilled in your life, that purpose that you were created for to be fulfilled that will unlock and open the the opportunity for promises to be fulfilled in other places. And it's so important that he's going with you himself. There is only one you. So let me encourage you for a minute. You are the only one that can do exactly what God called you to do. He did it on purpose. And yeah, we stumble and we miss it. And God will send the right people to clean up the messes that happen from time to time. There's grace. And he's a big God. And he's going to accomplish his will. But he is choosing intentionally to put something in you that is uniquely you that the body needs. There's an anointing, there's a gifting that will edify the body, that will bring souls to the kingdom in whatever facet you do life. So hear me. Every year around this time, we do a a sermon series specifically just from the standpoint of you are okay. (laughs) And the reason why is the unbelievable amount of transition that you are in right now can really mess you up. I don't say that to scare you, but let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room and deal with it a little bit. The only other stage of life that is comparable to where you are right now is middle school. Yeah, exactly. And everybody goes, oh, don't even die. I blocked that out. That's so deep back in the memories. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> but you've got a different level of life happening right now a different level of freedom, a different level of opportunity. And not only that, the friends you grew up with, half of them are doing things that you don't agree with now. And even the ones that you love that are your best friends, now you don't go to school with them 8.30 to 3.30 every day. Some of them move out to another state. Some of your friends get married and you don't know how to handle the awkwardness of that. And then on the married couple side, they don't know how to deal with the awkwardness of that. Life happens and things change. And that is totally okay. But here's the trap of the enemy. Where you are are right now is one of the most unique opportunities for you to just run as fast as you can after the things of God. You want to become a missionary and just up and leave the country for a while? Holler at me after service. We got a guy. He'll have you out of the country real quick. Whatever you want to do, there is an opportunity for you to do it right now that may never be this way. So what the devil does is he has you spending so much time thinking about your friend that you used to talk to every day that you could totally miss what opportunity you have right now. So let me tell you directly, your friends still love you. 
you still matter. You are not alone. The world is not over. It is okay for things to change. Because change is a good thing. It doesn't always feel good. It definitely doesn't always feel convenient. But literally insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting to get different results. So if you expect to get somewhere different, things have to change. And that is totally okay. Will you stand with me as the band comes up? So I quit the job. A week later, Pastor Jeremy tells me I'm going to have to go back to volunteer. And I'm immediately overwhelmed with, God, uh, we talked about this, and uh, you were supposed to, like, push me into the ministry. (laughs) And, like, I'm sure none of you have ever done this, but I'm telling God how he needs to help me. And I'm going through all of those things in my head, and I'm playing through them, and I'm running through them. But you know what's crazy? Now that I'm a couple years removed from all that, I go back and I look at it. And I, that night that he told me to quit the electrician job, the main prayer that I was praying was, God, I just want to be used by you. I just want to do more. I feel like I'm not getting to walk in my calling the right way. I, I wanted to preach. I wanted to lead worship. I wanted to travel. I wanted to whatever. A week after Pastor Jeremy and I had that conversation, a buddy called me and said, hey, uh, a worship team and I are going out of town in a week or two. Can you come with us? We need a guitarist. It's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Two weeks later, it happened again. About a month later, it happened again. Over the next year and a half, I led worship in Canada twice, New York twice, Texas once. Opportunities that didn't make any sense. Around the same time frame, another buddy called me and he said, hey, I know this sounds so weird, but uh, I've got a friend at a United Methodist Church out in Fountain City and he needs somebody to come help lead worship. I was like, okay. So I got to lead worship every Wednesday, every Tuesday, two services on Sunday, and then travel some on Friday and Saturday for almost two years. And because I was working in a Celebrate Recovery service there at the United Methodist Church, I got to learn firsthand how to help people going through substance abuse in a way that I didn't realize how much that was going to play into what I do now for a living. Not only did I never miss a car payment during that year and a half while I was technically unemployed, I never had to turn down an opportunity to go to the movies. I couldn't tell you where money came from. There were multiple times that I pulled up my bank account and there was money in it that shouldn't have been in it. But God was so faithful to provide in every area the entire time through this. For me, God was asking me to to operate in faith, to to say that I, I wanted so desperately what he had in store for me, and I wanted it enough to lay down whatever, to take whatever step I needed to take. For Joshua, he didn't even necessarily have a whole lot of opportunity to make a step. It was yes or no. Either I'm gonna do what God's called me to do, or I'm gonna turn tail and run out of here. My question for you tonight is what is God asking you to do? Because what he has in store for you is so important. Last week we looked at Isaiah chapter 54 and how God tells the people of God to stretch their tent posts, to widen the place up because God's about to bring more people. Blessings about to happen. Something's going to change. So what is he doing in your life? What is he preparing in your life for you to step into this new place? What does that look like? What is God asking you to do today? close your eyes, heads bowed across the room. 
God, we want to be exactly where you want us to be. Your word says in Matthew chapter 6 to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and that all things will then be added. So God, we thank you for your will and we thank you for the plan that you have. God, there are some of us in the room that have strayed from what you've called us to do because like for me, financial security felt really good. Or, or we had other plans just in general. So God, for the one in the room that's kind of got a Jonah experience happening right now, speak clearly, God, because there is no way to find that fulfillment like walking directly in our calling. Lord God, for the one in the room that says, all right, pastor, I hear you, but I, I don't have a clue what that promise even is. Stir a passion afresh and anew for your kingdom, for a relationship with you that you would bring clarity over the right steps to take. And Lord God, for every single one of us, I ask that you would bring with clarity a specific step that can be taken tonight to walk in your will. So God, collectively, we want your promise. We want your calling. We want to be in your will. I know it won't be easy. It definitely won't always be convenient, but it's so worth it, God. So if there's anything that needs to be laid down, bring it to us, God. And whatever step needs to be taken, open our eyes to see it. I ask that you would touch our hearts right now, Holy Spirit, right now. Right where you're at before the band starts singing. In your own mind, in your own mouth, in your own time, ask God, what am I supposed to give up? What, what step am I supposed to take? And what area do I need to change my perspective to see the true reality? Holy Spirit, we make space for you to speak right now. We make space for you to speak. And our answer is yes to whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name.